0: Welcome back to Industry Therapy. Today, we're going to finish our series on TIA 5053A by learning about application and benefits of this standard from the contractor perspective.
1: This podcast is provided by the Telecommunications Industry Foundation. This podcast, as well as much more additional content, can be found at tiffonline.org. Please welcome your hosts, Michelle Kang and Scott Stecker.
0: We're here with Chris Jeffrey from InterTech Resources. Chris, it's great to have you on our show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background?
2: Well, thank you for having me. Uh, my background is I am coming up on about 33 years in the industry, uh, seeing a lot of changes, developments. Uh, you know, some great growth in safety because you know here at InterTech that is our our main and core value. Um, last i want to say the last eight or so years my main focus in the industry has been more slated towards structural modifications and those sorts of things while still sprinkling in you know other rf projects and things along those lines
1: nice so prior to the past eight years you were in the field climbing towers what was your previous history
2: uh prior to that you know, like most people in the industry started out a green hand and, you know, through the course of all those years, pretty much not to to paraphrase or say I've done just about everything, but, you know, pretty much touched most things in the industry, whether it be, you know, old school microwave, uh, fogner antennas, whips, dishes, panels, uh, RF coax cable, the you know, pretty much anything the industry's done in the last 30-something years, I've, you know, at least touched a little bit of it.
1: And you've I'm sure in, within that time, you've had plenty of experience dealing with tower mounts and all the things associated with the transition from kind of how mounts were 20 years ago versus 10 years ago versus how they were today, correct? Uh,
2: absolutely. Um, back in the early days of my experience in the industry, for the most part, you know, we would, uh, we did a lot of whipping tennis, you know, we basically fabricated our own mounts out of angles, crossover plates, U bolts, uh, without any consideration of, it was the, you look at it and you're like, yeah, I think that'll hold it just fine. I've mm-hmm. built it before and, you know, somebody prior to me has built it and it worked without any consideration for any ratings or, you know. Uh, any of the bolt classifications, anything along those lines.
1: Sure. And how have you seen it kind of transform today? Do you see a shift from that? Are people still making their own mounts? What's going on? I don't believe so.
2: Uh, I you know here at InterTech, uh,
1: we definitely don't we don't make
2: any mounts or tools. Um, for the most part, the industry has definitely shifted shifted through that time frame and i'm sure we'll touch on it a little more as the uh you know it basically went from we fabricated our own stuff and then you know after a certain while you would get uh some documentation with mounts and then it kind of progressed a little better but there was that there was that in between period of you would get documentation in your, you've got the documentation in the parts and half the time the parts didn't match the documentation without any real good uh, guidance on where things actually went. You know, when it comes to it, it seems simple, but where your flat washers go, what's the rating on this bolt? Does it need to be an A325? Uh, You know, none of that stuff, you know, typically ever
1: came with the, uh, I'd say like my mid-career uh, sure. stuff that makes sense so you know today we're talking about tia 5053 which is the mount classification standard and you know it's it's relatively new i mean it's only been around since 2017 2023 we just published an update so it's now dash a and uh, what you know, we just want to hear a little bit about your background with the standard, what you know about it as it uh, pertains to the your work today. Well,
2: you know, for the most part, you know, like I kind of mentioned when we uh, when we get our mounts now, you know, it it comes from the engineers and the drawings, and we ro- rely, you know, we take the the stuff from the drawing, shoot it out to our Uh, our vendors so the process today is a lot easier than you know earlier when it came out it was more of a uh, almost like a uh, physical check to make sure what we were receiving was matching what we actually needed Mm -hmm.
1: so just in general today you're getting higher level of documentation than you were in the past.
2: Oh, absolutely. The, uh, the documentation that comes with them now, uh, is really beneficial all the way around. Um, from, from our main standpoint, the biggest benefit is from a, from me, uh, is a safety perspective. It keeps us from overloading the mounts as well as, you know, making sure that there's, they're installed correctly to maintain the rating that they're for. The uh, you know the details in the drawings now have much more detail as far as where the small things go, where they're supposed to mount, what specific hardware goes where. Uh, it's very beneficial on you know multiple fronts.
0: So, Chris, as part of that documentation, and that's specifically is section 6.1 in the TI-5053A, one of the things that we really focused on improving is that section in our new release, Rev A. Uh, we added on some things in there, one of them being the consideration of the climbing facility and safety climb if applicable. Can you talk a little bit about how having that documentation from the manufacturer specifically on the safety climb and climbing facilities benefits your installation crews?
2: Well, when it comes to uh, the mount and the safety climb facilities, it seems like that is it's always a challenge. Right. Because inherently, the tower set up, I'd say 90 percent are set up with the, uh, the climbing face on the north side. And your carrier wants a uh, zero degree asthma. So you're always putting something that's going to obstruct that. What I've seen with the standard and how the mounts have progressed, quite a bit of them will now come with some sort of hardware to help facilitate uh, moving the safety climb, but yet keeping it within its correct parameters to keep it safe and still accessible.
0: And another thing you mentioned just to touch on a little bit earlier was when you are installing the mounts and components there are certain things that you may you or your crews may be doing that would impact or the mount capacity or potentially overload that mount can you discuss that a little bit what kind of things are you talking about
2: well uh like like you said like i'd mentioned one of the things for me that stood out in the standard uh once i was exposed to it was where it references in the the numbers that are come with the mount, that last number references where the uh, appurtenances should be mounted in reference to the center line of the mount, whether that be a the number is a six or six inches. Um, because in the past, inherently a tower crew if if we had a center line of a hundred feet, you know, It was not typical to put the mount at 100 feet and hang the antenna with an actual at the 100 foot line and then have to hang down under the platform all the time. It was, you know, you had a certain uh, area that you could work in as far as uh, two to three feet uh, either way of the actual center line on the tower. So we would always lower the center line of the mount down, raise the pipes up. And that was whether we were installing a handrail or not to make the antennas accessible and easier to work on. Well, once this had came out and we had that exposure, we learned that we were actually changing the rating of the mount by making that adjustment. So we're able to take this document and share with our crews and teach them that these adjustments uh, are not acceptable because we are changing uh what the actual rating of the mount is which will have you know it has right now impact but we'll you know knowing with upgrades and changes it's going to have future impact as well
1: it's very good points i like that you reference the classification and are able to understand what the numbers mean that's great success from a standard standpoint so you mentioned documentations improving what does good documentation look like from a manufacturer and how does that impact your team and Intertech's business?
2: Well, there's a couple of things there. For, for me, good documentation is where you could take that set of, set of plans, drawings, or the design for that mount, and you could hand it to an individual that has never built one before and they could easily read it, understand it, and apply that to the actual uh, building of the mount. Like I'd stated that in the past has not necessarily been the case at all. So uh, the development of that portion of it is uh, very beneficial. It also helps from a business standpoint uh, on a couple of different levels. It makes training someone on how to assemble a mount correctly easier because you don't have the because in the past the drawings would you would look at something in the drawings and you know industry standards especially coming from a mod background you know uh every slotted hole gets a flat washer it's just you know it's not a mm-hmm. question yep. well in the past that you would get mounts with slotted in a slotted holes that made to adjust with no flat washers. So as the document aligns up with what we know industry standards and expectations are, it's easier when you're training your individuals to not get them confused and uh, headed down a wayward path. And then I could also, it also rolls right as far into when they build it correctly the first time, Number one, it's going to be safe for what it's rated for. Uh, From a business perspective, I mean, safety is always first, but your next line items cost, right? If you Mm -hmm. build, if you follow the directions, build it correctly, chances are you're not going to have to go back, change anything, make any adjustments or correct issues, which in turn saves you money at the end of the
1: day. Excellent. And so let's play a little role playing here. Let's say you're building a new site and the any drawings you have reference a certain manufacturer's mount and you go to buy that mount and you find there's availability problems or some kind of issue, but you have the classification in hand. How do you approach determining equivalent mount replacement and does 5053 give you any flexibility there?
2: Well, um, not to take the high road or easy road um, on that answer, but that we rely on our our vendors a lot when it comes to that. We have shared, been able to share parts of 5053 with them and, you know, be able to say, this is the amount my drawings call for. This is, you know, this is the standard we're operating under. Then, you know, we would then have them uh give us the information on what they say is a comparable amount and then we will actually follow we'll take that and follow back up with the eor on that particular site and have them sign off uh on that prior to making a purchase or a change
1: i see so you you're getting a substitution, and then you're following back up, closing the loop on making sure that's an acceptable substitution. Is that what I'm hearing?
2: Yes, sir. That's that is correct because you know we are, you know, uh, from a personal perspective, I am not an engineer, so it's the uh, the safe and right thing to do is have them sign off on it. That way. Um, one thing I've learned through working uh, in various mod programs, uh, like I said, especially over the last eight eight or so years, um, not every engineer is going to answer the same question the same way. Um, so we run that by them every single time for a, uh, a sign off to make sure that we meet what their expectations are.
0: Yeah, Chris, that's a really good point. I think that's something that's important to highlight about one of the things that is of paramount in the benefits of TIA 5053A, and it's really just providing that baseline. For all of the stakeholders in the mount procurement process to provide an avenue for communication. So you're talking about, you've talked about in this discussion, communication with the engineers, communication um, with the manufacturers, with the structure owners. And I think that's kind of the point of the standard. It's not just for, you know, manufacturers or engineers or contractors, it's for everyone and learning how to work with everyone in their designated roles.
2: Yes, ma'am. I I agree. The You know the one thing we can't do as an industry that it's gotten better over the course of years but you know the uh, proverbial phrase is we work in a communications industry that lacks communication and if we want that to change we have to be the ones behind it and drive the communication between all of us to be better collaboratively
0: and well finish up here with one last question. So in your experience, Chris, how does doing a post-installation inspection on a newly installed mount benefit the end customer?
2: Well, the main thing for me there is doing that, uh, that final inspection. Um, it really helps them from the, uh, knowing that everything's installed correctly, the way it's supposed to be and drawn uh, allows them for, to expand in the future, mainly without having to go back. And when they want to do an upgrade a year or two or however many years later, if it's built correctly the first time, outside of you know a standard change or an additional requirement change, They should be able to go out and do their upgrades by their drawings without having to, you know, spend the additional capital to go out and uh, do mappings uh, on all their sites they're going to upgrade. We had one customer, I want to say, I want to say it's about two to three years ago, we did mount, mount mappings for six months on hundreds of sites just to determine if what they had out there would uh, handle the upgrade they were proposing. If this standard would have been in place prior to when it was and things would have been built according to the standard, they would have already known that.
0: Well, Chris, thank you for taking the time to be on our show today to talk about TI-5053A TA and the benefits. We enjoyed learning about the contractor perspective from you on the application of this standard and the communication paths and I think our viewers will as well.
2: Well, I certainly appreciate you guys having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you for listening to Industry Therapy presented by the Telecommunications Industry Foundation. The information expressed herein are the opinions of the individuals. They are not meant to supersede regulations, standards, or AHJ requirements that govern the referenced subject matter. To view additional TIFF podcasts and other educational content, or to submit a potential topic for a future podcast, please visit our website tifonline.org.